0: Live from Gutter Cat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host... Crazy Carl.
1: Hey yo, welcome to the show. We already have a lot of people joining the spaces live, but if you're listening to the podcast world, hello from all around the world and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter Spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. Today's guest is an Emmy-nominated photographer whose work has been covered by Time Magazine, National Geographic, Red Bull, USA Today, and Google. He has dedicated his life to his craft and embracing the journey that goes into the hunt for the next spectacular shot. He has also quickly been emerging as one of the OG NFT photographers in the NFT space. His minted photos on Foundation have sold for as much as $70,000, and he is just getting started it's my insane honor today to share the stage with someone very active in this community john knopp john what's going on man
2: what's up dude how you doing this morning i'm doing
1: great and i meant to ask you before the show how you pronounce your last name because i i may have completely butchered your last name
2: it's Noff, just like
1: N O F F. So you nailed it. Noff. Oh man. Okay. You know, <laughs> I, pre- I I was uh I was a teacher, and so when that first day with rosters, I was very used to kids correcting me when I mispronounced their name, and I got better over the years. So I'm glad that I, I was I was pretty close. So. Um, what
2: grade were you teaching?
1: I, I taught everything from second grade to twelfth grade over a course of twelve years. So oh a little bit of everything. Yeah, I got All to right. see the whole spectrum of the, the public education world. Um, well, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. And we always start the show with the same question, uh, which is just to tell us a little bit about your journey in the crypto uh, or NFT space, whichever came first.
2: Yeah, um, I got into crypto in probably 2012, but I wasn't like heavy into it. I was mining for Bitcoin and then lost most of my Bitcoin traveling uh, in the Caribbean uh, (laughs) playing online poker. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, when I actually like fully immersed myself into like blockchain and just uh, Ethereum and everything like that, that was um, last year I was, you know, during the pandemic, when the pandemic hit really hard. Um, I kind of sold everything I owned I sold my camera like literally everything that I had and I went hard into Stocks because I knew that there wasn't gonna be a lot of money coming in. I had to close um, You know my galleries and everything there wasn't it it just wasn't gonna be an easy situation for me And I and I owed money on these galleries, so I kind of got heavy into learning how to trade stocks because you know I was stuck at home and a couple of months into it, I discovered crypto and more than just Bitcoin. But I discovered, you know, the altcoins and Solana and things like that and decided that stocks weren't for me. And this could be something that I was really uh, as I read in research more, I was like, this is going to be the future of finance. So I heavily invested into that. And I would say around January of this year, I discovered NFTs and I was already loaded up with not a ton of Ethereum, but but enough to at least purchase a few NFTs um, so when January hit and I stumbled one night, I was uh, trolling Clubhouse with my friends. Shout out Chol Team um, Six. We uh, we were in a flat earth room just having fun. And I was drunk and stumbled into an NFT photography room. And I was like, what is this all about? And I had heard of NFTs from, uh, you know, like different influencers. And I think Gary Vee had been talking about it back in September. Mm-hmm. And I, I was already really interested in kind of the future of it. But I also knew that it was a very niche area. Um, because, you know, I mean, crypto is so niche and then you go into NFTs and that's even just smaller communities. So I didn't really know exactly how to get in, but when I found that room, I started kind of learning and immersing myself into the photography and uh, a bunch of us were in there like Ravi Vora and uh, Cassimard and, um, you know, a bunch of us and we started kind of talking and Jeff and like. I realized I was like, there's more to this community because like in the photography art world, it's, it's more about just competition and like, you know, who's going to get to the top first. But this was like a community where everybody was new. And it seemed like whether or not it was like that honeymoon phase or not, we were all wanting to help each other and support each other, which was something I was not used to. So I was like, dude, this is, this is where I want to be. So I bought a few uh, photographs, you know, as NFTs, but you know, at the time, a lot of people were saying, you know, still photographs would never sell as NFTs, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that was kind of like, you know, the, the premise of like kind of where I really fully immersed myself, because I was like, when people tell me um, we're going to fail at something, I'm like, cool, let's let's go, let's try. So this was kind of where I found my place. And when I discovered this, I was like, did the, the NFTs and the whole, um, you know, vibe against like how we were, we had to animate our work in 3D, our work, and there was no way it was going to sell. I was like, cool, this is this is my community.
1: I, I love that story. And I just really I mean, I'm, I got caught up in um, the beginning where you were talking about how you just uh, er, early of last year, when you had sold almost all of your assets in in the real world and just tried to figure out like what you were going to do to, um, you know, basically take a shot on something and you decided on on crypto. And that's like a you hear stories of people doing stuff like that, but it's like a, such a bold and something you can't do without a lot of conviction. And so, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that part. I know that I'm sure COVID played a huge role in like deciding to close down the galleries and, uh, and you couldn't travel as much and do your photography. But what was it about the crypto world that just made you switch from like, oh, I, I want to invest my money in stocks and just be like, what made you think that this is, like you said, the, this is the financial uh, structure of the future. What, what made you feel like that, In your soul when, uh, you know, at the time back when COVID was really starting to take its toll, uh, crypto, you know, it it went down almost 80% uh, in March of 2020. So I'm just curious what made you uh, buy in when things were struggling at the time?
2: Um, I think there's multiple elements that play into that. Um, when I see things crash, um, I'm a big fan of trying to get into something when it goes down. I I was part of the total 2008 stock crash. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's actually when I started buying like Amazon and Netflix and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's actually how I was able to cash out some of that and start my photography career. But, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of buying things when everybody's negative. So, because how I see it is at the end, things are, uh, I mean, tend to always go back up and, um, when you look at like the pandemic, I, 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 thought of the situation where I was in, where I really had no income coming in. Um, there was no traveling, you know, and people stopped buying art. It, everyone got scared. Yeah. And so yeah. there, there was no way to keep my galleries open. There was, you know, no, no traffic. There was nothing. So there was just no chance of any of that. And, um, I was at the moment in my life where it was like, I legitimately could not afford to get my car, you know, towed out of like a tow yard kind of thing. Hmm. So I decided that I had one opportunity, you know, it was like that that one moment, that M&M one moment, Mom spaghetti situation where I was just like, dude, I could sell everything right now and just go full conviction. And it's like, I'm already broke. It's a zero sum game for me at this point in my opinion. Like I don't have anything to lose at this point. I owe money on the galleries. I could just go hard on this. Yeah, And if, if I fail at it, oh, well, I, I go back to shooting photography when the pandemic's over. Hell yeah. You know what I'm saying? And no matter what, I'm going to go back to shooting photos anyway. So while everyone I watched – I live in Las Vegas, so I watched all my friends, literally everybody, just starting to get drunk and partying and taking their time off. And I was like, shit, my whole life has been a vacation. All I have done is shot photos and enjoy the moments.
1: Like mm-hmm.
2: – you know, I was like, this is a moment right now where I could like really buckle down and like focus fully hard on teaching myself a new trade that worst case scenario, if everything goes to hell, I can learn to make money off this. Mm -hmm. So that's when I just kind of fully immersed myself into stock trading. I mean, learning charts, learn you know, joining these giant stock groups, like really fully. And that's about two months, three months into it. That's kind of like when I really found crypto. And I was like, Stocks are fun, but there's something about crypto that really pulled me in. And I was like, this, this is it. Like, I, I just, I started reading the white papers and Ethereum's white paper and realized this could be the game changer for finance in the future. We're in such a primitive form of what we're doing with education and finance and everything else. And I was like, this is where we're, this is, this isn't a revolution. It's an evolution.
1: Yes. And mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. I,
2: I was, right. So I was like, I am. Full bullish on where we're going with this. And that's kind of when I had full conviction. I mean, you know, I was already in a lot of stocks that were crypto native. So this was kind of already like I'm a techie. So I was like, this is kind of where my head's at anyway.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. And I got um, some chills when you were talking about going full conviction. It just reminds me a lot. I actually wrote a post yesterday about kind of my journey. And one of the big things that I found, and I, I hope others can learn is like, if you really want to make it like it does in, in, in the world, because of the way that gatekeeping has set up, it takes capital. And so many times we make excuses about why we can't do like why we can't invest or why we can't do this or why we have trouble. Paying bills and it's like at the end of the day, like always, always find a way to be able to bet on yourself and find a way to be able to put money so that you can change your life. Because like you said, that's the outlook I've always had on things. Is like if I if I spend ten thousand dollars on investments and the potential gains from that are ten to twenty to thirty times fold, that's going to change my life. But if I lose ten thousand dollars. I still can pay my bills. Like I never bet anything that literally I could go bankrupt, but I always was trying to find any way that I could put more money into betting on myself and my future. And I think that's something that a lot of people uh, don't realize is that you have that potential. Even if you just put, you know, a few dollars, it just starts with a few dollars. And then as you see the potential growth and you learn from your mistakes, you get more confident in your in the investments you take. And I just love hearing that, that you just went full conviction and, and put a bet on yourself and and big congrats on how it turned out too.
2: Thank you. I mean, that's kind of what I do with my photography as well. You know, like I cashed in everything and it wasn't a ton of money, but it was enough that I could survive, you know, sleep in tents at times, like whatever I had to do to start my photography, because it is, it's betting on yourself and um, I, I, I've always found that if you don't believe in yourself, who the fuck else is going to believe in you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it, you, you have to really kind of, um, you know, know that if you put everything you have into something, most likely, even if you fail at it, you were successful because you were doing something not for the money but because you actually love doing
1: it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always important to find the things that one, yeah, money is important. But to find something you have conviction about, like you said, like you made that transition to to crypto, and you went hard and made a big transition because you felt that conviction. uh, And that that's important, too, is because if you don't have conviction, then when things go south, it's easy to lose a lot of money. If you don't like at one point, I was in crypto prior to the big crash of the pandemic, but I didn't sell anything. I just just held on to it and I was down 80%, you know, during that time. But if I didn't have conviction, I would have for sure probably sold and and lost a lot of money. So it's it's so important to really be passionate about whatever you get into and whatever however you're betting on yourself because if you're not conv- if you don't have conviction, it's not going to work out anyways.
2: 100%, couldn't agree more with that.
1: All right, well, I I, uh, also, before, uh, your life had to really have changed, because you, one thing that I absolutely loved uh, about reading your story um, is just like your worldview about embracing the world and exploring and connecting with the world, Um, it really resonated with me, because I think as things clear up, obviously, with COVID, and I just rethink about the way that we've been kind of taught and preached how to live our life uh and and it's like wow like we we live the prime years of our life a lot of times in an office stressed out coming home just by the time we're retire our bodies can't really do the exploring that we could have done when we're young and it's like i start to realize just how important it is to to be able to take a a risk for, you know, being able to better your, you know, your self, uh, journey. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey, about the risks and challenges you took and the rewards of betting yourself on yourself very early on when, like you said, you were sleeping in tents, exploring the world and taking photos.
2: Yeah. You know, there was quite a few risks when you switch over from a full-time career. Um, you know, at the time I was, you know, a photographer at a, uh, at a car lot at a used car lot and i was working i was also it was weird cuz like i had this mix of like being the general manager slash internet manager slash photographer of all cars so (laughs) uh, the most thing though I enjoyed was taking these photos of these cars like I would line them up I would get the water like the the water out and like soak the ground and like get the reflections going like I would work on editing these things and like we had the best website in all of San Luis Obispo like I was killing it dude so (laughs) (laughs) I don't doubt it right and at one point I just was like I don't know what it was. I, I There was, I think, a few moments that hit me. You know, working at a car lot isn't really what I wanted to do with my life, um, selling cars and, like, doing finance for cars. Like, I had already had hundreds of different jobs, and I think I'd been fired from 75% of them. Like, <laughs> like I just am the worst employee when it came down to it, but the car lot worked for me for a while. But. There was just no job that I really fit into. I just don't fit into, even even owning a gallery, I just don't fit into these type of business models. It just doesn't seem to work for me. It, it, I kind of just was at the moment where I was like, I would rather be homeless at this point than continue to take uh, photographs you know, for $8 an hour and then just work as a general manager. I was like, this is the worst job and I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, I, I'd rather live out of my car. So I went to my girl and I was like, hey, I think I'm going to quit my job. And we might have to live out of our car for a bit because we won't have any money. I was like, I can sell some stocks. I was like, we'll survive for a while. I was like, we should probably move to like the desert where we can afford to live for a bit. But Um. I was like, it's going to get rough. And she was like, down, like down let's do it and I was like that's crazy cool (laughs) so (laughs) you found you
1: found your soulmate when you when you propose that and they're like yeah I'm down I mean that's a big thing I talk about too is like you've got to find someone that supports you uh and if you don't have if your significant other isn't isn't that then it's gonna be I mean that it's hard and so it's so important to find someone that supports supports you and so that's amazing but go on
2: yeah yeah it is and it's a really uh it's a cool experience to find someone that supports you and it's funny that we ended up breaking up during the whole thing but i mean you can see how (laughs) how rough trying to you know trying to start a career is but um you you know we we survived it we you know we went through it. but you know like maybe like a year into it like my camera broke we had to like get a best buy credit card to get like another camera like things got rough and I think, you know, it's funny because like people always talk about like how hard it was in the beginning. And that was rough. But, you know, what's really funny is when I made it like and I put that in quote unquote because it was like quasi made it. But when I opened my first gallery in Las Vegas, that's when shit got really hard. That's when, um, you know, I'm a kid from Barana Arizona, which is like just basically trailer park town. Like there's just nothing out there. And um, I didn't grow up with like an insane amount of money. Like, you know, I grew up very differently. My mom was in prison. Um, you know, my dad was a drug addict. It was a very different lifestyle than most people. So, how I grew up um, wasn't like normal, used to this shit. So, uh, mm-hmm. when I hit me and I got all, the, you know, this money and this entertainment lifestyle and these celebrities were like cherishing my work and I'm walking around Las Vegas and everybody knows me and I'm getting thrown into these shows. And, I, you know, before this, I'm living in casino parking lots, basically like we really didn't have money. Mm-hmm. And I, I never really liked to talk about it because it was like super embarrassing at the time, but like we didn't have anything. And so this happens and it like hit me, you know, and I, I, I got into the lifestyle, you know, I got into drugs, I started partying and Uh, I got into pills and got addicted to, you know, this whole rough lifestyle. And people don't really talk about how easily it is to get sucked out of your world that you created into a whole new world because you've never experienced this before. Mm -hmm. And so um, my life rapidly changed and I went down a spiral, you know, a super depression spiral. I really wasn't taking my landscapes as much. I was more floating around Vegas, taking Uh, concert photography which not that I didn't enjoy but I was you know at the time just kind of just being used to nothing you know just being dwindled down to nothing and it, it took me leaving Las Vegas and opening a gallery in Minnesota and really like breaking down to rock bottom to discover who I was and get back into my art and quit all the bullshit and quit the entertainment lifestyle and focus on who the core of me was because You can really easily get caught up in the stupid shit because it's just so easy it's so it's so simple to look at that lifestyle and go you watch those instagram stories and you see that lifestyle and you look at the champagne and the fun and you go i want to do that
1: Mm
2: -hmm. i want to right like i want to live that lifestyle like i want to see what that's like right and and you find that it's just very empty Mm -hmm. and and it's hard almost to climb out of it as well because it's almost like now you're in it right. and you don't know how to get out of it. And so it really took um, me moving to like the Midwest to like focus on who I was starting to get into like Kundalini and yoga and uh, and really heavily like, you know, working out in jujitsu and these things centered me and I started finding balance. And it wasn't until like, it's funny because it wasn't until like my late 20s that I started finding myself and finding my convictions and didn't need my parents' um, approval anymore or my friends' approval. I didn't need to ask anybody for anything anymore. Mm -hmm. I knew who I was. But it took all of these moments and these trials and tribulations and and addictions and, you know, for me to essentially find that the only person I could rely on was myself to get me out of my own situations. And when those moments hit, you find that it's like uh, it's like uh, David Goggins always talks about like, you know, like you've got to push yourself as hard as you possibly can go to find out who you truly are. And <clears throat> I think mentally, that's kind of what I did to myself after, you know, like a few years of therapy and coming out of unwinding all that. Those were the trials and tribulations of and I hate to say that maybe it be inhuman. But I also think it's say, uh, as Sammy Hagar says, sailing the seas of consequences. Mm. It was not choosing the the choice of working the nine to five or anything else it was all right i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna change the world with with my voice and with my with my art yeah and by doing that you can end up going down very very dark holes
1: you know i I appreciate you really going down uh, and breaking down the entire journey because it's so important i think um when people see people that have made it or they're starting to make money or they're successful, they, they don't hear about all the struggles that make us um, who we are and where we got to. You know, it's like you come into a space, you see a celebrity, you're like, I want to be that celebrity. Uh, and And yeah, some people are kind of thrown into it and just like happen to to be in the right place at the right time for a lot of people there's a lot of struggles and even if you're a celebrity, like you said, it doesn't mean that there's all these uh demons that come with that as well and so i just I just love that you ex- kind of talk through the whole journey because it's so important um as as we're kind of growing the space too to remember to not get caught up in in necessarily the attention and the fame, but really to embrace, like you said at the beginning of the interview, the community and finding people you really connect with. Because like this whole borderless world where we can start to get to know people on deeper levels, especially now with like spaces and being able to connect, it's so important to find people that you really Care about and that you that can help build you up and uh, I I'd say it all the time but I'd rather have you know ten really close people in my life than a thousand people that just kind of pass by and know who I am and are like are, are really you know like superficial friends and I think that's uh it's really powerful to talk about just like in the human journey of the power of making sure that you're always. You kind of evaluating yourself and and who you are and what you really want to be, um, the the legacy that you want to leave behind.
2: Hundred percent. I really think it's like a caterpillar, like metamorphosizing into like a butterfly. It's like when you finally find like who you um, who you are without people's approval, and you find that you don't really lack conviction in yourself anymore you really will find yourself in a better place. And I'm not saying that you're happy and I'm not saying that this is contentment because I truly believe that the pursuit of happiness is always going to be a better, um, angle or, you know, a better, like better way to go than just being happy. Because as much as I do enjoy being happy, the pursuit of that happiness seems the journey, because once you get there, I found like, it's like, it's like when, when we get to the end of the journey, we're going to die. That is the end of the journey. Mm -hmm. So the journey, you know, it's like the destination, we're always in this rush. And it's like, but in the end, like, just look at life. The destination is the end, which is death. So don't rush. So it's like the end of pursuit of happiness is happiness. So don't rush it. Enjoy the journey because everything that comes with it, this this boot camp, this trials, this is what's going to get you to that end game. And when you finally get to that moment of, I like, would call it like nirvana, where you just like have, you know, no desire and you're just finally content with everything, I think that moment has, you know, these are all the things that have gotten you to that place, your regrets, your sorrows, your happiness, your 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 memory, everything at that moment, that's what's going to get you to that very last destination, Yeah. if that makes
0: sense. Yeah,
1: I love that. I mean, and I think that um, one thing that I absolutely love about the crypto and the NFT space is that you're seeing so many people that on this journey are able to... Uh, they're people that are humble and that they're they're not, they're not, um, the people that seem to make it the, the fastest in the space, a lot of the times are the ones that are the most humble. And uh, I've talked to several people that were living out of their car or were homeless on the show even. And now they, they've get, gotten offers for positions of, in doing what they love uh, for a ton of money. And it's just, it's I think it's another really cool aspect of the crypto and NFT community is that now you can almost you can live your personal life and you can have kind of this um, famed by fame, I, I don't want to say like everyone looks up to you, but just like finding out who you are and really pursuing what you love and people um, accepting and appreciating you for that. And I think that what's really cool is like you said, like trying to pursue that um, prior to crypto and NFT space, it was, really, it was really hard finding financial freedom and you had to really struggle to be able to make it. And now it's so cool because... Um, this new space allows for a lot easier financial freedom if you really grind and you want to personally grow and, and build yourself up and you can achieve your goals um, and not live with a lot of the constraints that gatekeepers have put in place the last hundred years where you feel like you have to work a nine to five and you can't like explore the world. But now it's it's so cool to see. What's happened in the space and how, like you said, like this financial infrastructure that's changing, that's going to change the world as it takes place uh, and and becomes more. Um, widely adopted and accepted people are going to be able to live a a completely different life that allows them to find an an easier path in their journey and so i'd love for you to kind of talk about that aspect of crypto um, being able to just already seeing the success you've had how it opens opportunities to you to be able to live a life that you you really want to live instead of a kind of feeling pulled in in different directions because of because of money or or fame or wealth, like how you can create your own destiny uh, in this space.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize because this is going to be a kind of a long-winded answer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no no worries. I've loved every answer so far. So this is it's really great learning.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Um, so when I got into the, into the NFT space, I really wanted to sell my art and I wanted to make some money. And I was like, oh, this is a cash grab. I'm going to make some money. And Um, a month, maybe a couple weeks into it, you know, I started hanging out in rooms and realizing that's not what I want to do here. I'm going to hold intention. I'm going to hold integrity. And um, I'm going to enter this space with trying to create community and highlight other artists and work with other people. You know, I I was like, I saw a moment where I could make some money, right? But then I realized that that wasn't the end goal. There wasn't, that wasn't the big picture. And so it took me some time to really focus on what my intention was. And when i when i realized my intention um on entering the space that's when i had to discover my value and where i was at with my art and so you'll look at my stuff on foundation i have one collector and that's vince mm-hmm. <laughs> he's the uh one who has bought all of my work pretty much on foundation i have collectors on OpenSea when i released my first nft but that's that's the big one that's i released a book um on open but this is like where i put my price points at higher than five and Um, The reason I did that is I didn't look at the market because I wasn't interested in where the market was going with still photography because there was none selling anyway. So it's not that even that it was a zero sum game. I just didn't care. Mm -hmm. I was more interested in I've worked extremely hard for the for the pictures that I put together. I've sacrificed um, a lot and I've I've beaten my body to death for some of my photos and there's just no way in hell I would ever let a one-on-one go for less than what I feel it's worth. And by that, I mean, I don't want to regret selling something and then saying, wow, I worked so hard for that. How did I just let that one-on-one go for $10 or $200? Mm -hmm. I only have maybe 250 photos and maybe out of 150 of those I've mastered. I can't just give those away. So that's kind of where i came from and i don't necessarily say that's the best mis- business model a lot of people like to build from the ground up you know and that's a smart way to go um i didn't enter the space going oh, i'm emmy nominated i'm famous or i have a gallery i entered the space going i'm just like everybody else in fact i looked at everybody else's work and felt imposter syndrome i looked at Cassie i looked at um a lot of photographers work and just said there's just I don't meet these expectations. I suck. I should sell my work for less. And Kath and I spent many, many hours on the phone at night trying to figure out where our value was and who we were and, you know, like what we were trying to put our work into the world for. And I always was like, your work is so much better than mine. Like, there's just no way I'm going to be able to sell. And, and, and it, it wasn't <clears throat> about that in the end. You know, I, I think imposter syndrome, we all have that Even some of the best, and you know the reason is is because especially in the blockchain, you're putting your work out in front of the world, and people can literally see that you suck. Mm
1: -hmm. There's no
2: other way to put it. When your work isn't selling, you feel like you suck,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and people can see that, and that hurts, and that stings, and people can that you know when it was back in the day on Instagram and Facebook, you could have sales out of your gallery, and people be like, "I got this sale," or "I sold this," and people like, "Dope." But when it's up there, everyone can see it, and it stings. So it's a very, very fragile state, and. It hurt for a while and I started to have to get used to that rejection again. And so um, I think when I was entering the space and trying to start my career, not my career with this, but just starting to create a community with this. Um, it was a whole different ball game than when how the real world really works. There was no – it's not really a competition. It's literally I, – I, like I get a lot of DMs and like, I talk to a lot of collectors and I can never seem to pitch my own work. It's always pitching somebody else's work. I'm just – I'm built the way of trying to help other people. So I came into this um, with building community and then I got into NFT flipping. I started flipping PFP projects. Um, mm-hmm. I started working with other – um with other artists and we started realizing that there was a lot of money in being able to do so like i got in the bored apes one night um because i had taken microdosed on some mushrooms (laughs) and (laughs) and then maybe took some more and more ended up in a heroic dose at some point (laughs) and um I got I look I was trying to tune out because I had gotten ripped off off some NFT that I had bought. That was uh, a girl who had sold me some stuff and she ended up not, you know, it ended up not being her work. So it was a really rough moment for me. And like it was uh, Jen Stein and I both like went through this and shout out to Jen. Um, I wanted to take a moment and just take a break. I had been going hard for a year. And I just needed the time I had to tune out and I had not tuned out for a while. So I literally put my phone away. I opened my phone and four hours later, which I shouldn't have, but I wanted to just check it. And I see that everyone's going nuts over these apes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, cool. What are these? And I texted my buddy, Jeff. And I was like, Jeff, how do I buy one? He's like, you need to buy it now. He's like, these are going to be the next crypto punks. It's going to change your life, bro. I was like, okay. So I bought three, bought three, bought three, ended up with like 10. Mm-hmm. And you know, long story short, I just sold one last week for $130,000, Yeah, which in my, and that's the most profit I've taken off of an NFT. And in my world, that changed my life immensely because I was able now to buy my house. Mm-hmm. And um, the money that I've now made in my portfolio of NFTs is, is I, I don't know what the word is for it, but my, my wife and I sit there and just like, we're just in awe of how much our lives have changed and how much focusing my time and not giving up and just literally putting everything I have into this. And I've done that with everything, but this one really paid off because, and not in the sense like, had I got nothing by the way no money for this it wouldn't have mattered this would have paid off regardless right. because we built this crazy community and this community means more to me than my entire NFT portfolio or any of the money I could have made because I literally love the people that I've met in this community like you can you can ask my wife like I'm just so distracted like I walk into walls half the time because I'm just literally <laughs> it's no joke like, my, my wife's I mean,
1: in here and, and crazy Carla and I'm sure she can uh, relate to me being <laughs> you know it's like I feel sometimes as it is like I need to put my phone somewhere completely else so I can yep. because like you have to make sure you have that balance but it is hard because this community that we're growing is so powerful and important um just like to the future of, of you know freedom honestly and so it's important to continue to build and educate but at the same time like those the, the the balance is important because the the people that we care about the most uh, shouldn't have to suffer because of it either.
2: Hundred percent, and I feel so bad for my family. I'm so glad they haven't left me, but like it is true. Like we literally, I, I focus so much on this community and trying because I do believe this is the future of my daughter's life. Yeah. This is the future mm-hmm. of humanity, and I really believe what we're doing right now will be the catalyst of change for an entire generation for the world. So. I am like as bullish as I can get no sleep. Like, let's go as much as I can on this. So yeah, um, I, 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 um, am essentially an NFT collector at this point. You know, I am an artist at heart. I'm a photographer, but I sell to one collector at the moment. I am fully immersed in literally trying to create wealth for my, for my child and my future generations with PFPs. And so far, it's, it's been amazing. I mean, you know, like I, I'm able to buy my dream camera now. I'm able to travel. I'm able to now finally go to Iceland and just like not have to worry about living out of a tent while I'm in Iceland. Like I could actually probably pay for a nice hotel. Not that, that, not that I will
1: mm-hmm. because
2: I really do believe comfort is the killer of creativity. So I will probably still go as hard as I used to. But the, the idea that if I got a flat tire now in Iceland, I could repair it because I had the money and that I don't need to sell my work to survive Mm -hmm. is an incredible feeling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's humbling, right? Especially when we've especially like a lot of people in this community are grinding like for years. I mean, I've been investing for, for 10 to 12 years and I always knew because I always am learning and I want to make better investment decisions and try to just continue to grow. I, I always have had the goal that, uh, like financial freedom would come and, and, um, and to see, you know, working another year as in, in teaching when, um, like I'm passionate about it, but I feel like there's a lot of flaws in the education system. And I I feel like I could, uh, be more powerful if I was able to work on helping educate in, in a more powerful way for the world. It's like, I, but I kept that job just because I always, I didn't want to ever not be able to pay the bills and I always want to keep betting on myself. So I would always, uh, keep working so I could have money to keep betting on myself, but but it's so humbling when you do that because then once this opportunity comes and it's like when um, Mike Beeple was on the show and he was talking about, you know, the $69 million, that's nice, that's great, but like he's not living a different lifestyle, you know, it just gives him it, that security and that's what I feel like, it's like it gives us the security that we don't have to stress anymore about the day-to-day because we've we're starting to build a better tomorrow, and so now we can almost make a decision about that journey and, and where it takes us. And so it's just, um, I, d- I do think it's so humbling for us, uh, especially when you've had nothing and you you struggle and you work your ass off uh, and working multiple jobs so that you can invest any any amount of money that you can to finally be able to have this opportunity where it's like... <laughs> Like, I can't believe, like, I spent $100,000 on a Hackatow <laughs> Podmore, and my wife looks at me and is like, she, she said, as soon as I post that, she like, uh, I, th- I could punch you right now because it seems like just an insane <laughs> amount of money. Like, I can't believe I even, like can say that I spent that much money on a piece of art. But at the same time, I know like that piece of art, what it's worth. Like my daughter, when I die, could probably sell, sell it for millions upon millions of dollars. And it's just crazy like that. We're able to make these decisions and these for our future and not have to stress as much anymore about the day to day. And it's just, um, it allows you to, it allows you to kind of almost, um, embody your full potential even more.
2: Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up the education system. Have you, have you heard of, uh, what we were doing with photo vault?
1: No, but I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about it.
2: Okay. So photo vault, um, is what we did is we got four different photographers together. I, uh, got Ravi Vora, Ben Strauss and Kath Seymard. And we put, um, three of our photos. So three from mine and three from the other artists. So a total of 12 into a vault. We then fractionalized that vault and sold it off in pieces. So you could buy it on fractional art. Mm -hmm. Um, What this allowed us to do was basically gain some ETH to create more vaults. So we opened another vault with J.N. Silva, Drift, um, Alejandro, and Dave Krugman, and we fractionalized those pieces. But what's cool is this is creating community. Mm-hmm. We're able now to highlight other artists. We're able to create rooms that people are following. We're able now to hopefully in the future be able to afford um, to you know send photographers on trips. And really what this can do is inspire other photographers to create their own fractions with their own pieces. And um, it enables um, us to as photographers, get exposure to collectors without being paid in exposure. Because if someone likes my work but has never seen Kath's, now they see both of our work. Mm. And now they can go to Kath and go, hey, I want to buy one of your pieces. So this is a way to get exposure without actually having to just suffer for it. And what that brings me to is kind of like how I think the future of education is going. Um, You know, We're in such a primitive state. If you look at a classroom 100 years ago, it's the same as it is today. The desks are set up, the teacher stands up in front, it's taught the same. Nothing is really much different other than, you know, we have technology. So if you think about it like that, what can we do to help the education system? Well, we can pay the teachers more to start. <laughs> because a teacher surviving off of twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year is absolutely absurd. Even forty thousand dollars a year does not and and I know like a lot of people say, Well, you should be teaching not for the money, but for the for the passion. Well, sure. But you also, as a teacher, we're losing a lot of good ones because they just literally cannot afford to live. And I'm seeing it in, in the nursing industry. I'm seeing it in education, but you know, we're trying to solve all these problems from homelessness to racism, to, to everything that's, you know, cause climate change. Well, the root of the problem is our education, our kids. And if we taught our kids right in the next 50 years, we would not really have any of these issues if we were able to pay the right teachers like yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I look at the future of education and I look at it right now and I think, how can we better it? Well, we need to pay the teachers more. So my goal, and this is why, you know, when I got into Photo Fund, that that was the beginning of what I was kind of starting. My ultimate goal is to create a DAO, some type of uh, decentralized, like quadratic fund, where it's going to continue to maintain wealth, create wealth, and then be able to pay teachers $100,000 per year minimum so that they actually get paid around the world what they deserve. This, in my opinion, will solve equality, racism, Literally everything, hunger, um, everything will be solved by fixing our education and fixing the kids because it all starts with the kids. We're all focused on. We're already done. We're we're already screwed. Mm-hmm, as adults yeah. like <laughs> we're, we're already we've caused enough shit and problems now we need to do something right for the kids that are taking over this planet because in my opinion these kids are brilliant. I'm watching my daughter grow up in this Roblox metaverse world I'm watching things that she idolized the role models that she has she's no you she know they're not growing up in this hip-hop generation that we grew up in like you know they're not idolizing the escalades and stuff like that they're literally looking at nfts and digital goods and going this is the future of where I want to go so I see it as where we're headed the most important thing we need to do right now is focus on educating our kids in the crypto world, in the finance world, in the metaverse world. And because robots, let's be real, we are their predecessors. They are going to take over. They're gonna take our jobs. They're going to take, you know, they're gonna be self-driving everything. There will be no longer uh, the, the startup job or when you graduate high school, you start at McDonald's and then move up, you know, like where you flip burgers. It's That won't be a job because it will not be available. There will be a robot that has that job. You might be a coder for that robot, but we're teaching the kids all the wrong stuff because Mm -hmm. these kids aren't going to grow up in a world that we grew up in. And so in my opinion, the curriculum that we have is completely useless in the sense that we need to start teaching these kids the most important thing, which is what are you going to do? (laughs) when, when you get older and there's no jobs available, are you going to code? Can we teach these kids? What do they love? What are their passions? And if teachers were paid what they're worth and the schools got the monies that they need, then we could do, you know, 10 person classrooms, five person classrooms. And the teachers could really dive in and not have to dive in on one kid out of 35 students. And I I, I know what these teachers go through because I've talked to them and the parents that they have to deal with. And me as a parent having to deal with other parents, I can't imagine what you guys must go through mm-hmm. cuz i a- alone as a parent have to deal with these idiots <laughs> i can't imagine what you guys must go through having to explain to these parents that you know what they fundamentally don't understand and so i want to vastly expand the money going to our teachers cuz they are the most important thing on the entire planet and that's where i'm coming from in The crypto opportunities that we're creating here
1: i love that and i mean i know there's a lot there i think the um just basically the entire foundation of the education system is it's um, it's been built for the last you know two centuries um and in a really in a in a broken way in terms of you know when it comes to equality and um even even lately when you look at you know the content that's being taught and how uh, a lot of times there's agendas behind, you know, cr- the, the types of lessons that kids are supposed to learn in terms of um, in terms of like creating nationalism and stuff like that. And so it's like um, I think one thing with this new, like borderless world is that the, the education system, it's much easier to see the flaws that, that there, there are uh, in the system Itself, and as a teacher, it's almost impossible to work around that. And I think that there will be opportunities in the future where um, there's new opportunities for how kids can be educated, and there will be there will be um, ways to basically challenge the status quo um, because bl- blockchain and this this is disruptive tech um, in in a much bigger way than just. Um, it's it's it can change the world in in ways people can't even imagine. And once you see people like yourself ta- talking about things like this, where you can create new platforms for educating kids and um, helping them realize their maximum potential in in the best way possible, I think uh, we're just gonna see a different world. Where um, one of the things that drove me the most insane is that we live. In uh, in the states, you can be in school for twelve years, and and a lot of states there are literally no mandates for financial literacy, and that's just stupid. Um, Isn't yeah, that insane? Is it? It's just stupid. <laughs> right? the, the one thing that you're you're gonna have to know to live your life and grow, you're not taught anything about the danger. But what does that tell you? Yeah, you exactly. Know?
2: Is the, is are they trying to keep us down? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to you know go into conspiracy theories here, but what does that tell you when they're not in our school systems, part of the curriculum, that the credit, the finance, having, uh, I mean, they literally, they might show you how to have a checking account, which is literally the most useless thing on the planet. <laughs> Yeah. it's like you know it's like what do you do with a checking account if you have no money they mm-hmm. they don't teach you anything and it's like is it is it taboo to teach on how to invest in things and not just let your money sit there and gain 0.001% interest
1: yeah yeah, it's it, a it's, it's a big it's problem. And and when we don't teach it, when you don't have that national or that natural drive to try to understand it, it's it's something that you can't even you can't even fault people for not understanding because they literally no. haven't had any opportunities. And so that was uh, in my in my entire tenure of teaching that was the thing that just drove me up the wall is, and that's something that I do plan on working to build too. And uh, we'll have to chat more too, because it sounds like you're real passionate about it, but just like just helping people understand the world and the financial you know, gatekeepers and what the the systems that we're having to work around and understanding credit. And when I, you know, our generation, I'm in my thirties, but we were just told go to college. No one talked about the debt that you accrue at college. And so it's just like all of these things that you're, you're taught just continue to help the people at the top. And it's just insane to think, um, it's almost like you're pawns in a system when you kind of take a take a step back and look at how everything is played out. Um, And so, yeah, there's just a need for change. And so I love, and I think that this is the disruptive tech that is able to bring that change. Now you can layer financial tools into things like education. I mean, that's powerful and something that I guarantee within the next decade, we'll see where you can start earning money for learning things.
2: Yep. hundred percent. You're going to start like what kind of what we're trying to do with like rug radio where you will get paid to listen or how I think like I think, you know, Second Life, that game that came out like 15, 20 years ago, they had it nailed. They were just too soon. Mm. It's just the future is getting, you know, like if you could play The Sims and actually get paid to play The Sims, how many people would want to do that?
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and
2: it's like when the pandemic hit, the government screwed up instead of, you know, um, uh, handing out fear. They should have handed out VR headsets. <laughs> they should have handed out Oculus Rifts to literally every single person and every single kid. And that would have changed everything because we all would have been able to communicate on a different level. And kids could have been taught in different rooms, in classrooms and outside by waterfalls. It could have been a whole game changer. And, you know, I think I think our world missed a very important opportunity at that moment where we could have realized our potential in a VR world. And we could have mixed them both together and created a really co-pathetic, beneficial partnership between the metaverse and the real world. So,
1: yeah. Um,
2: yeah, I really do think the future of education is heading down towards that path of where of where we're going. I mean, you know, we took our daughter out of school. We're homeschooling her now. Mm-hmm. We our, our curriculum, you know, when we looked at it was we're going to be focusing on, you know, teaching her. You know, when she needs to learn history, we're going to go to a museum.
1: Yeah, when exactly. She, mm-hmm.
2: Right. Like when we want to teach her, you know, um, about finance, I, I throw her on roadblocks and show her the marketplace on there. And she's learning about how to trade on there. It's like – there are opportunities that we're all missing, and I know that a lot of us don't have that availability, and that's what I'm trying to give. Yeah. And I'm hoping that further down the line, my dream and ultimate goal, and I think we should talk about it because yeah, there's 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 benefits in the future of partnerships and ways to create this that I think um, a decentralized, you know, just full-on um, quadratic fund that will pay teachers what they're worth is not the answer, but at least a step.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and this is uh this is fascinating. You know, I love the the direction different talks go on this show because it's like everyone everyone brings different passion to the community, and it's just so fun to be able to shoot the shit and talk about things that are so important. And you, if you listen to this show often, you know, like all all the types of discussions there's just so many different elements of crypto and blockchain that's why the the show is just crazy about crypto because because it's it's all it all ties back together right at the end of the day crypto and blockchain technology is just like a game changer it's like it's like Amazon utilizing web 2.0 except now like we're able web 3.0 isn't about a corporation it's about the people and what we can do because of innovation um, to better benefit ourselves and our families and our communities and not have to rely on someone uh, that's at the top telling us what to do and how how we earn value because we can create value and know that we have it in ourselves.
2: 100%. Couldn't agree more. So
1: I love it. Uh, okay. So we're going to do, in just a second, we're going to take some questions. If you have a question for John based on the, the talk so far, hit that request button. I'm, I'd love to start bringing some people up. Um, but let's go into, let me see. So, one thing I did want to ask you about, because there are, a lot of people in this show that are photographers um, that listen to the show. And I'd love for you, for someone that's just starting to get into crypto and NFTs, I'd love for you to just chat a little bit about um, maybe some advice you can give someone new to the space about building, um, the way that, that they can go about it, about uh, how to get attention in the right way. Um, just talk a little, maybe you can give some advice to people new to the space that have, uh, that that have a passion for photography.
2: Yeah, I would absolutely. So I would say if you're getting into this space now, just so you know, you, you still are early and I know that's like, you know, our, what we keep saying, but it is true. If, you know, I think there was a stat that was like $6 billion or something spent on OpenSea and 1% of the world like knows what an NFT is. So, You're still early. Um, When I got into the NFTs, um, you know, on rarity.tools, I think there was two collections. It was apes and punks. Now there are over 150. It's crazy how much this space has grown and how much it's going to grow when big brands start coming in and the kids start growing up. So I would say if you come in, just be patient. Um, You know, still photography. There was no market for it when I came in. It took months for us to create a market that you see now by holding... Hundreds of rooms for 12 hours a day on photography and explaining to people that this wasn't a scam and that we really were trying to evolve the way that photographers get uh, royalties and generational wealth and whatnot. So I would say immerse yourself in the community is the most important thing you can do. Um, Sit in these Twitter spaces, um, you know, try to get on stages, start your own spaces um, I mean, Froak and I, like, we we started with no no followers. Like Froak, I think started a room with like five people. I think I started my first room and there was maybe three people. Nobody really cared to listen to us. Mm-hmm. And as the conversations grew, and as um, we just discussed more and more important topics, more and more people started showing up to the conversations, and you see the NFT world as it is today. So. You have to just look at it and just be patient because there was a lot of us who are early. I mean, I see Cynthia in the crowd. She was like one of the earliest people I met. She was in one of those. Uh, I think it was an NFT for like Stoner's Room, mm. and and we found our tribe there. We were like the lost outcasts, in like <laughs> you know, like the like the long haired kids um, in uh, in high school. Like we just kind of like we were the kids that listened to Pantera, and so we were kind of like in our own tribe for a minute. But it's like we grew out there. We started meeting more people. And we grew apart and it was wild just to watch everybody grow up in the space because it really is. It was like literally starting school, like being your first day of like high school all over again. And it was wild to watch. I mean, the rooms were literally consistent of we love you, man. We love you all day long. So it's fun to watch this transfer into Twitter spaces. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, I know that a lot of people are watching it and they're getting FOMO and they're going, God, you know, like. I missed out on all the good stuff like the apes. You didn't miss out on anything. I mean, we're just getting started. So I would say put your work out in the world. Mint your stuff with integrity. Hold your value. If you want to make a cash grab, make a cash grab. Do whatever you want. But I don't think there are rules in this space other than – hold integrity in your art. Don't sell your stuff duplicates, you know, on different platforms. Don't be a douchebag basically. Mm-hmm. Be a good person. That's really all it comes down to.
1: I love that. I mean, it's like good intentions will lead to uh the best people being able to achieve the most in the space. I mean, people are able to uh judge you based off of your history because of uh the blockchain and so you can actually find who uh, really does operate in in the best way just by kind of watching them. And so I love that advice. And I think you're right. Like you just have to get involved and you got to be part of community and find your tribe. Like you said, I think that's very powerful. And what I always tell people when they're starting is like, don't always look up. Look, a lot of times there's people that maybe know less than you, like look down and help bring other people up because then those, those people are going to help you grow. Um, I think a lot of the biggest mistake, people always looking up at the people on top trying to grab their attention when in reality if you just work with the people around you that want to interact with you uh, you're going to grow with them and then people in in a month or two are going to be looking up at you
2: a hundred percent like the only way really to grow in life or to uh to find your place is literally to help other people and they will help you grow and that's a beautiful way to say it because um Uh, And I like that you said that because I really do believe that um, a lot of the people that, you know, I was buying NFTs from, collecting their work in the beginning, supporting their stuff, they're all supporting me now. We're all supporting each other now. And it's it's really beautiful to, like, see that come together because if you look at the Instagram days and you look at the early days of photography, and, like, I was taught by, like, old heads, dude. Like, I mean, gray-haired, cane-walking photographers. I didn't know that people my age were even taking landscape photos. Mm -hmm. So to see that, it's like – it's a different world. They taught me like, and I never agreed with this system. I always would give my information, but they were like, never give your camera settings away. Never tell someone how you talk, you know, took your photo because they're competition and they're going to come in and they're going to steal a job. Never teach someone how to open a gallery. I had interns at my gallery that I would teach how to open galleries. I would take them out on photo tours because I don't believe in that. How I believe is, is if you have competition, it's only going to make you grow stronger. That's what free enterprise is all about, is looking at the competition, giving the people what they want. And if somebody comes out with something, think better you better step up your game and you better come out so that's why it's like when you take a picture and this is what I always tell young photographers when you get into it because I was told this don't ever do anything half-assed and mediocre always go for as best you can possibly take because there's going to be a photographer who comes in there and just schools you mm. and takes something that just blows your mind and you're going to go why didn't I think of that so always take your time I mean there's pictures that have taken me five ten even fifteen and still going years that I still haven't been able to shoot correctly because I want to get that moment. Perfect. And, um, with my photography, I'm not composite or Photoshop. So it's like my elements come from my surroundings, everything that you see, I'm doing in camera from changing my lenses to changing my filters. Everything is done in camera. So it's like, I got to get that moment perfect for me. Yeah. And that's what I try to teach any young photographer. And it's the same with coming into NFTs. There aren't going to be a ton of collectors yet. Give it time. You know, Going with intention, highlight other photographers, start rooms, start conversations. We're all going to make it together, and that's why we constantly post that wag me, cultish um, slogan, but I know a lot of people just go, oh, God, you guys are just a cult, but we do this because it, it gives everybody – I get DMs after I post that, and I mean not like 10 or 20, hundreds of DMs saying thank you for posting that today because it made me feel better about my convictions. Yeah. And by the way, I wish I could answer all those, but it's like hundreds. And I just want to say to everybody, like we are going to make it together. We will not make it alone. Yeah. But if we continue to support each other, boost each other up, there's no question about it, we're gonna do it together. And that's why we constantly post that stuff.
1: That's awesome. There's so much power in community. Uh, and speaking of community, let's go ahead and transfer over to Community Corner and let some more people up on stage to chat. <laughs>
2: Get Let's your do it. Hat
0: nip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner.
1: Carlo, you're on stage. Really appreciate you requesting to come up. Uh, go ahead and ask your question.
0: Hey, uh, crazy, uh, Tra- crazy, uh, Carl. Carl. <laughs> <laughs> crazy, Carl. Crazy <laughs> Carl. What's going I on, just, man? Um, yeah, I just found out about you today because uh, I saw John um, in this space. Uh, this is a really dope show man I uh, just wanted to say that like off rip
1: thank you so but, much i appreciate you
0: yeah for sure but uh question, question to john um I think you kind of spoke about uh this earlier in terms of like the mental health aspect when oh, you jumped into the space and you saw what other photographers are doing um you, you you're kind of like uh taken aback and um, um, you, you, you kind of got in your head a little bit um, as someone who's been in the space for 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 quite a while now and have gone through that um i think as artists we all have this um built-in insecurity about our own work not being good enough because we kind of like compare ourselves to others right and i think in a way it's good because it allows us to um to be hungry and to you know like to to better our work but how do you like for yourself like how do you kind of um keep balance and uh not allow that insecurity to uh kind of spiral down to the point where it negatively affects your uh, mental health because i think for me personally that that roller coaster is something i i kind of i'm struggling with right now so just wanted to hear your thoughts on that
2: yeah um i would say and, and maybe it's because of all the stuff i've gone through from opening galleries to listening to everybody trash my art every day to walking in there saying i could take that with an iphone why does this guy sell these for five grand i've i've been torn apart for my family telling me I shouldn't do this to my friends when I got into photography. So I think there's a, you have to kind of go back and go, well, why did I do this? Why did I get into photography? Well, I got into photography because I'm going to create no matter what, even if nobody sees my work, even if the world ended. And I've said this a thousand times and there's one person on the planet and it's me. I'm still probably going to take photos because I enjoy taking photos. It's just fun. And I enjoy focusing my world. I got this ADHD where I can't, I can't sit my focus down. Um, so putting a camera up to my face and having to put it through a lens makes me in that tunnel vision and makes me focus only on that moment and makes me enjoy it more so i would say if you have imposter syndrome um forget about all that man like we all have it and just forget about it because a lot of people's work is going to be better than yours as a lot of people's work is better than mine and there's always going to be someone faster stronger and smarter and that's a good thing, like you said, because it gives us a reason to try harder. So um, I was just looking at your uh, work on your on your cover, on your uh, shit, uh, Twitter. Yeah, anyway, your work is incredible. I think you just, honestly, like, you know, I've been in this since January. It took time to find my tribe and to find who wanted to collect my photography. I didn't really DM anybody or reach out. I never really shilled it. I don't really talk about my work on foundation. Like there are pieces available. Shilling moment right now, but um, I, I try not to. I try to talk about my passion because that's really what I focus on. I never really focused on the sales, so I would say, if anything, don't have imposter syndrome. I know that's hard to say because there are a lot of people's work that you feel is better, but it's not like I think my wife tells it to me a lot like this it's just like it's not about what's better, it's about just. Like, it's about what you think of your own work. And I hang my own work all over my walls. Bryn was one of the first uh, pieces that I've ever bought that I've hung on my wall that's another landscape. And maybe that's, um, you know, self-loathing, narcissistic type shit, but I love my art. That's why I make it. I never made it to sell to anybody. I made it for me, and people wanted to buy it. I never made it for anybody else. That's why I think when you look at, like, the space, and I know I had severe and still do sometimes imposter syndrome, I'm not looking to sell my art. I'm looking for people to share my passion with me and hopefully they connect with my pieces and want to buy it. Cause it's not an investment. It's not a flip. I don't want you to sell it on the secondary. I hope you hold it. Um, I'm not, you know, looking for investors for my art. I am looking for people who love my art. So don't stress, man, be patient. It's coming. Everybody loves you. That kind of shit, you know, join the community. We're all here. Um, and yeah, like if you, if you ever uh, have any questions, I know like my DMs get packed and I apologize if I haven't responded, but please reach out. I will always try and respond if I can. And yeah, I just, I, I know how hard it is to have imposter. I mean, Kath and I would sit on the phone for hours legitimately talking about how we just feel like frauds. So I totally get it. That's and- so insane. <laughs> that <laughs> I you knew is that crazy? have that conversation. Hours, hours. She would say, I, I mean, dude, when I met her, she was selling prints for like a couple hundred bucks. And just, she didn't believe in herself. And we had to rise each other up and tell each other how good we were. Like, that was the conversations that we had. So it's like, don't let anybody dictate um, your presence in this space. You know who you are. You know your work's dope. You know why you're creating it. You're creating it because you love it. You get there, you know?
0: Really, really appreciate that, John. Really, like, that's that, that uh, bit about you and Kath is just. It's so crazy for me to like even comprehend that. But um yeah, I really appreciate it. And um I'm a hodler for of a uh, photo uh, V1, so really really stoked to uh, to see where you guys are taking the, the photo you. community uh, moving <laughs> forward. Um uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll step down now. Um, to, to let others speak um but yeah crazy crypto carl thanks again for hosting this of course um, thank you it. thanks,
1: thanks Carlo, for coming up all right we got mr crayola on stage go ahead mr crayola thanks for coming on stage
3: hey everyone uh thanks so much for letting me come up and uh talk to you guys uh so my, name, my real name is uh tyler um, i'm actually a pediatric pharmacist in north carolina and it you know nfts and crypto seem like a whole other world which it is but honestly since last year this has been the most amazing journey um so the first thing i'll say is thank you for everything that each of you have said and how reinvigorating it is to to have that conviction um it's it's hard to to do on your own and i get so burnt out and and broken down and realize that i can't i can't do this without that community that support and you know my family and friends are like, why are you on your phone 100 like 100 hours a day? Like why are you why are you doing this? And it's, <laughs> and it's moments like this that are, that are that are like reset buttons, man. Because when you hear other people as passionate like as I am, telling me all the things I already know and already believe are gonna happen in my life, and then and then jumping in on groups like this and, and hearing from people that have done it themselves, just makes it all more reason to, to do what we're doing. Um, so thank you guys uh, for that. And I guess the, and the other thing, too, is like spaces and crypto inherently are some of the most humbling groups and people. Um, it's, it's been so overwhelming to, to meet other people who are as, as humble. And it doesn't really matter how successful we are monetarily with our investments, with, you know, art, with NFTs. It's just a fun ride to, to be on this journey and be in the same boat together. Um, but um, just one question uh so how how do i continue to, to believe all these things that you guys are saying how do i continue to um, i guess like use my platform in the real world to, to bring others in and because to them i'm a crazy person They don't want anything to do with it and i have like one or two friends out of my whole friend group who trust me or, and are on this ride with me but everybody else thinks i'm stupid i'm like y'all we we're at the beginning of a paradigm shift like Get, get in the freaking rocket because we're, we're taking off and I don't want to leave them behind because I know in 10 years they're, they're going to regret not listening. So what, what's your advice for that?
2: I I would say that if um, you're trying to get people in that uh, don't want to get in necessarily, you're not going to get them in. I've tried to get all of my friends in and some of them are extremely wealthy and some of them yeah. are broken. Nobody listens to me. Not, not one person has listened to me so far. And oh I think yesterday, some of them are finally trying to get in. So it's hard to get people in that don't want to get in and don't understand this world. Um, everyone thought I was crazy when I was buying apes for $200. And everyone thought I was crazy when I was buying at cats for $1,000. And everyone thought I was even crazier when I was buying art blocks for hundreds of thousands. So I can tell you right now, there's no way to convince anybody that JPEGs are going to make you money other than they see your success. And then they want to dive in and that's, that's going to bring more people in.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It wasn't until uh, crypto had started making massive moves up and like people knew that, that, you know, I had been talking about it for years until all of a sudden people wanted to listen and ask more questions like, wow, I mean, you could have if you got in, you know, uh, a year or two ago, you would have had much more massive upward potential. but. But it's so true, and there's always new markets that are going to keep forming, and so people that constantly want to learn it's funny though because you know there's some people that got into crypto because of uh because they saw me make crypto, but now i've got a massive amount of my portfolio into nfts and they don't know anything about nfts and crypto's kind of sideways now, so while we're still kind of building and growing like they're like people that aren't paying attention they just kind of uh the, until they're ready to learn in their journey, they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to truly um, grow, and th- I think that's very important. Like anytime you're trying to live off of someone else's successes, you you're not gonna make it. You have to find your own success.
2: Yep, and they're just going to get mad at you and they're going to get disappointed and they're going to say, Well, you know, I didn't make the gains that you made or I, I bought into something that failed. And it's like a lot of us, we, because we got into this early, we have stacks of ETH. We can throw ETH at stupid stuff and we can lose ETH because we know that if we hold and we have the time and the liquidity to hold, we'll eventually make our money back. There are things that, I mean, I'm still holding on to really stupid NFTs because I'm not going to take a loss on any NFT at this point because we all know the future and where the blockchain's going. So, I would say there's no way to just talk your friends. I mean, my mom got in, but like, you know, she got into crypto and I bought her like her first NFT. I bought her a long necky lady, but like, it's hard to get them to understand how to use MetaMask, how to put in gas. I mean, it's, it's a very, unfortunately, like uh, hard uh, onboarding process at the moment. But I think if they really have the intention and passion to learn, they'll learn from Twitter spaces and they'll get there themselves.
3: Yeah.
1: It's just a matter of time, but it's a great yeah. question um, and... And we're glad you're here.
3: Yeah, 100%. It uh, means the world. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually on kind of like my self-inflicted lunch break because I couldn't miss this. And it, it's, <laughs> it's been already uh, one of the most amazing times um, in, in Twitter spaces. And ironically, I want to start Twitter spaces. I want to do that. And nobody has given me an answer for how to do it because I can't figure it out. Like there's no way for me to start.
1: I think you have to have 600 followers and then you can start hosting spaces. I think that's what Twitter currently has. See, I
3: have, I have I have, five, I have over 5,000, so I have no idea oh, why. Oh,
1: that's or, weird. Or
3: what. <laughs> so I, and, I've, and I've asked every one of my friends, like, hey, how do I do this? I would love to do this. like There's, other, like, I
1: don't
2: know. <laughs> there's Clubhouse, there's uh, Greenlight or something like that with Spotify runs. There's other audio apps that if you're not able yet to run rooms, but I would say try and get on stages and get your following going because I think it's 10,000. Okay. I could be wrong. Okay. but. I could be wrong on that, but I think it's 10,000.
1: Oh, I'm able a ah. host, so I'm not sure. I, I don't know if uh, Twitter changed kind of the algorithms, but I'll reach out to you too. Yeah. I'll hit up your DMs and try to see if I can help
3: you somehow. That'd be yeah. amazing. You guys have yeah. been incredible, and, and I wish you all – the success in the world. And I can't wait to watch your journey just continue to unfold. And thanks for letting me be a part of this today.
1: Thank you so much for being here. All right, John, I have one more question. Um And this is from my wife, Crazy Carla. She DM'd me. I told her to come <laughs> up here, but she, she's, uh, she's a little shy. And so I'm going to ask her question for her. But okay. she, uh, she, we've, her and I have talked a lot about the education system, and I know she was really fascinated when you were talking about your decision to homeschool, and she just wanted to l- know a little bit more about your your reasoning for that, and also kind of the journey of um, when it comes to making a decision like homeschooling, um, kind of the the pros and the cons of that you've you've f- found already. Um, And then I'm curious, because I believe, I'm curious what you think like homeschooling in a few years looks like compared to right now as well.
2: Um, So the reason, you know, the main reason we homeschooled, and I know this is going to be kind of subjective and controversial, but if kids can't get vaccinated, and we can, I'm sending my kid into a war zone, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of kids get sick, and it's really not fair. And if I were her age, I would want to have the choice and opportunity to um, be able to make my own decision. And so, um, we asked her, and we discussed it between us, and realized that ultimately we wanted to protect her. And honestly, they were switching out teachers every week, which was kind of scary. And ultimately, when we looked at the homeschooling, like after we we realized like how beneficial it was to do our own curriculum, and I, I was able to tell uh, my wife that she could quit her job, um, and I could you know basically just do this full time. Um, it really kind of was able to enable us to. Um, realized that we could teach her a whole new facet, like a whole new uh, a way of um, education. We could take her to museums. We could, you know, like I was saying, we could, there's a lot of things in Las Vegas that we can expose you to, the aquarium. It just, I, I think that we can give her, um, and I know like we're not perfect, obviously, and I think that's the benefit of t- sending a kid to school and publicly exposing them to everything because you're not perfect and um, giving them, you know, every Uh, asset like everything in life is beneficial but in this situation with a pandemic happening and us not being able to get her you know keep her safe I think the best course of action was is to um, enable her to learn from us and we're obviously you know we're not the best teachers but um, I think that um, we can we can ultimately give her that one-on-one attention. we can Choose our curriculum that we believe in that will benefit her because, like I said, I really believe the state's uh, mandated curriculum is just a joke. Yeah, I can't
1: can't argue with that.
2: (laughs) Right? It's just – it's a complete joke, and it's just not benefiting our kids. And like I said, I really do believe that robots will take 95% of jobs, and the things that will be left will be coding, art humanity, uh, comedy, acting, you know, uh, music, these are the things that are going to be left over. So I want her to develop her passion and talent and give her um, like the UBI, you know, the income to be able to not necessarily have to grow up in this, um, this man, you know, male run world where if a female I've watched too many females and everyone that I've dated get jobs and just be pounded to the ground with you know unequal wages being told they can't do shit um it's just I really think it's it's you know and to go into that like it's just it's not equal and it's not fair and so I know that the world isn't fair and I know that my child will be stronger if she lives in a world that's not fair but in my opinion I want to be able to give her the security and the ability that if she grows up she won't be alone and she'll know that at least she has something to protect her and that's money. And I know that's not really the best answer, but in my opinion, it in, inevitably, she'll be able to chase her passion. Yeah, And that's my ultimate goal for her is to not necessarily work for the money, to just do whatever she loves for the love of it. So if she wants to be a teacher and I haven't been able to get this teacher down, she's making 30 grand a year. Well, she has 300 NFTs that she can rely on that she can sell at any point.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, to make it more about your as a kid being able to try to figure out what they really care and love and are passionate about as opposed to uh, being told that they need to learn this and this and this, like letting them explore their own creativity um, and not having to fear uh, that they won't be successful.
2: Yeah, it's just the textbook education just isn't it isn't right and what we can do is focus on her her strengths and her weaknesses and be able to really really highlight those and I think that is going to be more beneficial in the long run.
1: And and at the end of the day when you're When you talk about like homeschooling, I think homeschooling will look a lot different too, as like blockchain and more. uh, You know, this continues to get developed. But for right now, do you are you able to have flexibility in your in terms of the curriculum and kind of decide what you teach, or do you still you still have to kind of meet certain mandates of the state, um, and then you just spend all the rest of your time doing the things that you want.
2: Well, one fortunately, shout out to Jamie my wife. She does all of the homeschooling, so she really felt fo- like she really got her involved in this. But um, from what I know, there is no state mandated test in Nevada, so she's basically she doesn't have to get tested for her curriculum. So she can um, we can teach her. I mean, obviously there is a curriculum that's mandated, but she's not going to be tested on. So we're going to teach her the more important things that we believe that she that her are her strengths. So like we're going to focus on. You know, math, science, writing—just the things that we really, really, uh, we really love for her. Mm-hmm. And you know my wife probably could talk in it, but she probably will never come up on the stage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I need but. to maybe have, I'll, I'll have to have hit you up and, um, crazy Carla and her can maybe chat in DMS a little more about, uh, the journey because I mean, we're still years away. And I think by the time my daughter's two, by the time she hits kindergarten, we'll, we're going to be in a different world. Um, but I do think, uh, I think having some partners and being able to talk about things like that, about, um, about different uh different opportunities for where we can what we can do for our kids is important because um because they're everything to us and we want to give them the best life possible and if we can if there's ways to make sure that they're building the better tomorrow instead of getting caught up in the problems of today that's always a better solution.
2: and I do believe like the future of education because of what we're going through right now it could be in a sense like there could be a point where we go like virtual and kids are getting Oculus with headsets or we're going into parks and teaching them on days. Uh, I think the education system as well as the financial system is just so primitive and just hasn't changed. I know there's a lot going on in the world and it's hard to be able to allocate money for different things and that's why again I really am focused on trying to build the education system and yeah I think that we really need to make some really important changes i mean i think teaching kids in a park and doing all these things that could really help um expand kids minds this is going to be um how our, our future i mean if you guys think about it like at some point we're going to be 70 and these kids are literally going to be taking care of us yeah do we want uh you know like do we want him to take good care of us or do we want to, you know, like where do we want to go with this planet and how do we want to leave it for our children? So that's yeah. why I think is just so vital so we definitely should talk offline more about it
1: yeah i'll definitely hit you up man i I appreciate you so much for being here and being on the show today um if you don't already follow john make sure to hit that follow right now make sure you're constantly keeping up to date with his journey he's always on spaces connecting too so you can find him um, in all all kinds of different spaces but thank you so much for coming on the show john
2: Dude, thank you so much for having me, reaching out to me. I love what you're doing. Thank you for being a part of the community and being one of the crazy people like us. We love to see it. So, yeah, no, really, I mean, I know it's hard to uh, host these spaces. I've done it a few times, and it's not easy. So, I really do, I mean, time is the most valuable, as you know. We've got our families. So, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for doing this show and taking your time to uh, host people and do this for the community.
1: Of course, Uh, and uh, if if, even if a handful of people can learn from it, it's worth it and change their life. It's just so important to keep letting people, it's easy to read text, but it's another thing to be able to hear the voices and be able to hear the journey, so so it is really important, and I'm glad that we're able to bring people on and, and just hear about everyone's journeys, how different they are, but how interconnected they are in the same way of just believing in In what's the future, and and we're all coming together to to make that happen sooner than than later. So, um, if you if you miss any part of the show, make sure you also check out uh, the podcast because we had a lot of people jumping in here towards the end. This whole show was packed with all kinds of amazing insight, and just being able to talk about the journey up, uh, the struggles, and um, being able to talk about the future of where we're heading. So, so if you did not um, already. Uh, Uh, Please follow the Crazy About Crypto show, and I'll make sure to post that here shortly, so that if you missed any part of the show, you can listen. Um, But until then, uh, it's been so much fun.
0: This has been a blast. Let's go. Let's go. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody, really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research. Always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.